everybody, and welcome to the debut, the premiere episode of Reconcinimation. Reconcinimation? What's that? It's a new podcast. <laughs> a hot new podcast. And what a, what's Reconcinimation all about? Well, let me tell you right now, I'm John Diner. And I'm Dave Munchak. And we are here, we're going to talk about our favorite films of the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, and see... What was it like when they came out then? What is it like now? Do these movies hold up? Is it worth watching? We have a lot of questions. I have a lot to say about a lot of movies, and I want everyone to hear about it, not just you. <laughs> so I insisted we buy these microphones and get a website and get a social media director and build these Reconcinema studios and trademark a name. It's Reconcinimation. So we're going to look at uh, a lot of these films that maybe we loved as kids or as uh, in our, our younger life or uh, or we hated or we've never seen or we've never seen. Mostly me, never seeing. Yeah, mostly I've, me. I've seen a lot. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're going to see how they hold up now. And uh, hopefully you guys will be along for the ride. And uh, we're going to get into it. So should we start with our first movie? We're going to start right now. New York, 1997. The entire city is a walled maximum security prison. The bridges are mined. The rivers are patrolled. And the United States police force has everything under control, they think. Escape from New York, the high adventure of the future. One man must go in where no man has ever gotten out. And if he comes back alone, his nightmare has just begun. Who are you? John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Heard you were dead. Escape from New York, the greatest escape of them all, is about to blow the future apart. Okay, so that's it. You've heard it. You know which one it is. It's a classic. It's Escape from New York. 1981. We're gonna we're gonna rewind all the way to 1981. Wow. With John Carpenter's fifth film. That's number five? That was number five. A lot mm. of people forget about his first movie, which was Dark Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes I forget about The Fog, even, because that's kind of not... Like, when I think Carpenter, for some reason, that one just kind of slips by. I think Assault on Precinct 13, I think Halloween, mm-hmm. Escape from New York, and then The Thing. But The Fog is definitely in there. Yeah, oh, yeah, Fog. I've only seen it, I think, once or twice, so... Who's the star of The Fog? It's Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. It's Adrian Barbeau. Mm. Adrian Barbeau. Yeah. Is that maybe a foreshadowing of that, something we're going to talk that, about today? Uh, very well might be. All right. Uh, so, yeah, John Carpenter's Escape from New York. When was the first time, when was the first time you saw this movie? Oh, uh, 
in from start to finish. Yes, it'd be the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but in watching it, I uh, I realized I had seen many bits of this. I guess on cable. Yeah, or... they played it on. They I know they played it on cable a bit. Yeah, and I'm probably like a it just so many so many visual moments, and I'm like, yeah, I was like, I kind of I kind of remember this. I kind of yeah. There's things about it I remember, just visual striking visual things that certainly like. But like as a kid, I probably thought it was kind of boring. Like, like this is kind of boring. Like, I, I can don't see know. it being slow as as a kid. You know, seeing it having it feel like a slow paced movie. Yeah. But when was the first time uh, you saw it? I, same thing growing up in the eighties, I remember seeing bits and pieces of it. Yeah. I definitely remember the poster for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is funny because that image of the head of the statue of Liberty, Mm. uh, is nowhere in the movie, but right. As though, yeah, all of New York is, they actually show prominently the statue of Liberty. Yeah. Just standing tall. Yeah. And uh, but I didn't watch it until God probably the mid '90s, almost right before Escape from L.A. came out, and oh. that may have been actually what drove me to watch it all the way through. Oh, you want to like prepare for the sequel? I'm gonna get you guys all ready because I'm gonna talk about it every episode. The fact that I hmm. one of my favorite jobs that I ever had hmm. was I worked at Suncoast Motion Picture Company oh. in uh, Yorktown, New York. Wow. And uh, if anyone is listening that's from there, I, I work there. Oh, from, cool. Uh, 96, 97. We, anyway. should, uh, we should call the store, see, see how they're doing over I, there. Yeah. It, last I heard, it was an abandoned furniture store. Oh. We can try. We can see if the line's still <laughs> working. See if my uh, reserved copy you know, of I'm going back. Tremors is available. <laughs> Tremors or Tremors 2? Uh, I already have Tremors 2, okay. but I, it's because it's my favorite. As but, we all should. Yeah. Um, so I, when I was working there, I got into, I got into a lot of movies, but Escape from LA was coming out yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, I've never seen Escape from New York. So I got the Laserdisc. Mm-hmm. Yep. Laserdisc. Yes. And, uh, enjoyed the hell out of it. The only way to watch Laserdisc. Uh, but it must've looked great. It was kind of the picture quality is still fantastic, <laughs> Yeah, but obviously there's some logistical issues. Uh-huh. uh that uh, are are corrected these days. Is that the uh, only copy of the movie you've ever owned, the Laserdisc version? The I've got the DVD. You have the DVD I, yeah, now. Yeah, I have the DVD now. Never so had the VHS. You wouldn't but, need it. Yeah. If you're like in the mid '90s, you 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 leapfrogged over. VHS I just yeah jumped you, right to the. Laserdisc. You went to the most advanced. And I was, I'll tell you, I was adamant that Laserdisc was not going anywhere. Yeah. You're when like, this we is got, it, baby. I was at the store when we got our first box of DVDs, and all I did was trash talk all day. <laughs> what are they? Like, yeah, they're smaller, but so what? <laughs> yeah. And the first ones really weren't that good. Like, they still had scratch, you know, the, the film scratches in it. Like, they hadn't oh, right. really, like, cleaned them up. They looked, you know, good, but not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like Raging Bull and Blade Runner. It was a lot of Warner Brothers stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, Batman, I think, was in that first badge. Color Purple. It was like a weird group of movies, and I just was not impressed. I'm like, Laserdisc is going to outlast this stuff. Sure. And like within a few months, Laserdisc was pretty much done. Yeah, it was dusted <laughs> immediately, right? And then the DVD craze was like, what, 99? Uh, when it really took off? Ni- well, 99 was the year, well... Was it that year? Because we got it like in '97 was when we first started selling. Yeah, DVDs. things happened, to, but you know, of course, it wasn't until I guess probably 2000, 
probably late 99 when yeah. the DVD sales started to outpace with one particular movie. That, of course, The Matrix. That's the first. Never heard of it. That's that's a movie. That's a movie about uh, friendship. Ultimately, yeah. Ultimately, yeah. yeah. Pals. Yeah. But that was the first DVD. And we all know this. If you're listening to this podcast, you know this. It's the first DVD to outsell its VHS counterpart. Uh, and the Laserdisc was given the old, see ya. <laughs> uh, okay, well, we're, we're sidetracking here. But so yeah. sorry. So, Escape from LA. <laughs> no, wait, New York? So Escape from, Escape from New York, we're, we'll cover Escape from LA one day. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot to really bite into on, on the that 40th one. anniversary <laughs> yeah. in 20 years. <laughs> Uh, so Escape from New York was really born out of the, uh, God, I, I, I think it's with Mad Max that the kind of post-apocalyptic stuff really started to blossom. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of movies being made, uh, you know, a lot of low-budget movies being made, a lot of, I know what the this was probably more in the mid-80s, but Italian cinema really like embraced that post-apocalyptic thing, but then they started just kind of doing cheap versions of the American movies. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, But even a movie like The Warriors is technically, like, post-apocalyptic. Some of them are really subtle. Uh This is a little more, like, on the nose. Yeah. uh, Pretty clear, and they they say it right in the beginning. Um, But there was a whole, like, film movement about doing these post-apocalyptic films mm-hmm. and that they can work if they're done right right so john carpenter at the time uh is under a two-picture deal to avco avco films avco embassy i can't remember the exact name but uh the second picture he was he was supposed to be making was a remake of the philadelphia experiment yeah. uh or not a remake but the philadelphia experiment and he just had a lot of creative issues and couldn't get that Going and he had written this script for Escape from New York as a kind of reaction to Watergate and a very cynical, pessimistic look at the government and the president. and And he had written this, and it was, I think, sitting in a drawer for like two or three years. And he got remotivated about it. And when Philadelphia Experiment kind of hit a brick wall, he brought it back up, pitched it to Avco, and they greenlit it. Holy cow! So, so it, it was already there. No one knew it was there. Or, yeah, or, it was. Or what? I mean, or I mean, it wasn't sure going to pitched go. it around a little bit, but it wasn't like it was, the time wasn't right. Right. So this this hit this hit. Yeah, and I out. think it was a, a good, you know, it would pair well with with Mad Max. Sure, because Mad Max came out. Mad Max was seventy nine. Seventy nine. So the craze was starting, and I think Road Warrior was, Road Warrior was already happening by the time they started making this. Got so, it. Um, yeah, so Carpenter is coming off a lot of success with with well, somewhat success with Assault on Precinct Thirteen, a lot of success with Halloween. I mean, that was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's got the Fog, which did okay, not as not as hot as those other ones. Uh, and he starts working on this. He connected with Kurt Russell, mm-hmm. which is another. Obviously, a major part of this movie, Kurt Russell. Now, wait, wait, just this. What do we do? We lo- how much do we love Kurt Russell? Well, I mean, 
I think we're about to find out. He's because... a cornerstone of the 80s. Yeah, he's in all the best movies. He's, he's yeah. He's, he's I mean, he can a, do it all. He's, he's got the rugged anti-hero. Mm-hmm. He's got the kind of silly, over-the-top, ridiculous character, like in another one of our favorites, mm-hmm. Overboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reluctant every, every man, reluctant hero, everyday man, like in Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. Another top movie. Uh, and a uh, quirky, hilarious, tough guy cop, like in Tango and Cash. Oh, my God. And that's just, that's and just, that's the, just the 80s. That's just the tip of the iceberg of Everything, this guy. you know, I know there's a lot of discussion for the past 20-some-odd years about Kevin Bacon. Right. We all know that. Sure. But I think everything connects to Kurt as well. Hmm. There's probably something to that. I think... I think we're going to have to look at that. I think we're going to have to look at that. I think we're going to have I think we're going to have a spot every week hmm. where we're going to have to bring every every film back to Kurt Russell. I think so. I well, I'm going to get working on this right away. Yeah. So, we're ready maybe by the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, just give me a I think we can answer right now that Kurt Russell's in this movie. So that's we'll start with that. That's a good that's, that's a, a good great way place to start. Let yeah. me just let me Jot write, that I'm going to write this down. Hang yeah. on. Okay. Okay, got it. Um, <laughs> so this is this is Kurt Russell and John Carpenter together again for this. This is technically the second time, okay. but uh, the first feature. For, oh right, yeah, because they did that Life cereal commercial. <laughs> what was Kurt Russell doing before this? Can you can you answer me? Can you riddle me that? I'll be honest. I'm not good with what movies came out when, so I'm going to need your help. Well, you get an F there. You're, I'm asking you to hold my hand. You're holding <laughs> it right now. Just. There, there. Please make it feel better because I there. I should know, but I have selective memories. Uh, Kurt Russell, uh, the son of Bing Russell, who was a uh, a an actor um, who was in the fifties, sixties, and into the seventies, mm-hmm. uh, started as a child actor for Disney. He was in the big one. He was in was the computer wore tennis shoes. Uh, yeah. So he's a child actor and. By the late seventies, he's you know grown into an adult and was having a hard time shaking that child star image. Sure. So he uh, somehow got a, got the role of Elvis Presley on a nineteen seventy nine TV movie called Elvis mm. that was directed by John Carpenter. John Carpenter. So uh, and they hit it off like right away. Yeah. Um, I think they were of very like minds. Creatively, and uh, a brilliant relationship was born that I wish had continued. Other than Escape from L.A., mm. uh, Big Trouble in Little China was the last project they really did uh. together. But well, that's still you know two so the, two great collabs. Well, three collabs, <laughs> collaborations, guys. Uh, yeah, could you imagine if like they they stayed together like a like a we Christopher can Nolan and they're still they're still Christian around. Bale, you know, yeah, people I, people I assume could make movies in an alternate timeline because there's no good movies after what two thousand two thousand yeah I think with, we established that yeah there's nothing so I don't even acknowledge those anything there I I I don't think there have been a movie there hasn't been a movie that's come out since two thousand so yeah agreed yeah. Zero. Um, we but just yeah. watched the old one. So we only have these few things, but boy, uh, what a great what a great place to to really kick things off together. Yeah. 
So uh, uh, Carpenter wrote the wrote the picture, and Nick Castle, who was another collaborator, uh, him and John Carpenter go way back. They did worked on Halloween together. Nick Castle was also played uh, Michael Myers in the first Halloween movie, mm-hmm. but was sort of another creative uh, partner of Carpenter's, and he uh, jumped on to kind of uh, add in some of the more lighthearted humorous kind of parts to escape from new york which oh. we can get into as we as we as we get there castles the jokester castles well he he created the cabbie character oh okay yeah uh and he i think he's the one who came up with the ending as well oh really which is that like a r- little dark ending but yeah i'll say <laughs> all right um yeah couple of couple of notes here what do you got as, as I mentioned before, so it's a uh, a reaction to Watergate, the cynical look at the government. I mean, at, coming out of the 70s, there was a real anti-government feeling, a lot of hostility about Vietnam. As a lot of movies that we'll, we'll get into in the 80s, I think whether they're good movies, crappy movies, their reactions to Vietnam, a lot of the comedies... Mm-hmm are like a counter movement against all the negativity coming from the 70s and the, and the Vietnam, the whole Vietnam era. Mm. Uh, so this is, this is one of those. That's a part of that. That's reacting to the negativity to the government. Um, so before we get any further with Kurt, I just want to sidestep back for one second. Yeah, absolutely. So on top of this cynical look, this is also a mix of a few different genres. So, which Carpenter's done before, or he'll, he'll do again. He did it a little bit with Assault on Precinct 13. But this movie is a mix of a Western, a sci-fi film, and a prison movie. Hmm, yeah. That, that completely It's like sense. a complete, it's almost a perfect mixture of the three. Yeah, just in terms of the elements of what makes what makes a prison movie. Yeah. What, yeah, what makes a sci-fi. There's... There's a lot that the Snake Plissken character... Snake. <laughs> snake. It's me, Snake. Call me Snake. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, lifts from the Clint Eastwood character from the Spaghetti Westerns. Mm. Uh, they're very similar. They have very similar motivations. You know very little about them. They have certain points of honor, but really have no emotional attachment to killing any of these villains or whoever whatever the situation is they don't give a fuck they uh, do not and they'll and they do they do what they have to do they have their singular mission and they do it yeah right yep uh and the movie being set so it's strange because it's set in the movies coming out in 81 they talk about right in the opening scene they talk about in 1988 everything goes to hell and they just make they put a big 50-foot wall up around Manhattan Island and throw... Ev- that's the only prison. And when you get sent there, you don't get let out. Everyone's yeah. just there. Yeah, which is, like, really tough for those white-collar criminals. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> oh petty theft, you're in there. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine... They didn't get into that much detail, but... They didn't mention I can't imagine, like, there. those kind of crimes would go there, but I, maybe they We did. don't know. You, you don't really know. You don't know. Like, a guy like Cabby... What did he do? What did he do to get there? Yeah. And I'll, I'll get back to this later, but there is, in the novelization, they talk 
uh, a little bit in in more detail as most of the novelizations do in more detail about some of these characters yeah that fleshes them out a little more than the movie has time to do mm-hmm. uh but still cabbie seems like a totally nice guy friendly guy mm-hmm. what the hell is he doing there yeah uh, that's what's interesting about this movie is where you don't it, everything is very much this is what this is what's happening you don't have to spend time of, we don't know why any of those people are there but we know that we know they're bad enough dudes yeah. to go there and you don't really need it like what's that's, the point yeah. that's one thing that I, I appreciate about the movie is that uh, they don't overload you with the backstory yeah you get a quick sense of things um, you know what you need to know you don't know anything about the president. Mm-mm. So we go from that opening, you know, setup of why, what, the, how this prison was created, why it was created, uh, to the president. Air Force One has already been hijacked by an, a terrorist group that we don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, you I think you automatically sympathize with the president because you're kind of, especially at that time, trained to be on board with the president. Yeah. It may not be that way so much anymore, but right. uh, your instinct is to just be on his side. Yeah, it's a it's a really big deal that the president lives. The president is the leader. You, you can't, nothing can happen to the president yeah. like at that time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so it is a, a technically it's a futuristic film, even though we are long, long past 1997, which, by the way, in the world of cinema, a lot of shit happens in 1997. That's mm. that's Terminator 2 ah. as well. Oh, yeah. So you've got, you know, the Terminator stuff happening in L.A., Right. The West Coast is a mess. It's a whole mess. And then you've got Manhattan Island shut down <laughs> in Boy, New York. Both coasts, not so doing good. Maybe, maybe Terminator 2 is a prequel to Escape from L.A. Oh, I, yeah. Minus the whole Skynet business. And Yeah, I guess we don't necessarily know if there's been a nuclear war. I doubt it. No, yeah. but we know that there is a, again, something that comes up in the novel is... Uh, chemical there was world world war three oh has happened or there is some kind of world war which was a chemical war which is what snake's background is oh he's part of like a military group that was like an elite military group and he was turned on by the government was set up by the government to like lure out another country in, into some kind of trap but he they sacrifice his team and him and one guy survive and and that's how he lost his eye oh uh part of that chemical attack that happened so Jeez. that's the backstory uh, for anybody who didn't know that i'm sure you've all i'm sure everyone here has uh read the novelization yeah right? no you guys I mean, all have it yeah no i mean uh my my dad read that to me yeah when I was a kid. yeah like well, yeah no i mean Everyone's dad did. Yeah, right. So okay, so yeah. I'm not out of line. I here. think. I mean, they talk, they we, we grew up in these stories, <laughs> as they say. And obviously, it's a prison film because clearly it is in a giant prison, big old prison. And Carpenter's movies always, or a lot of them, have this uh, a real intense sense of space. They're always fighting space. 
uh, not oh. like outer space, but like in Dark Star, they're enclosed in a ship, in uh, or they're, they're they're fighting not only space but time. Halloween, they're you know they got Donald Pleasance's character as Doctor Loomis has one night to catch up with Michael Myers before he starts killing people again. Mm-hmm. The fog is literally they're imprisoned in this town while this fog is rolling in with these spirits or whatever it is. Uh, and here it's, you know, they're fighting the clock. Mm-hmm. They're, they're stuck in this space and they're fighting the clock of 22 hours to find the president, find this tape, uh, which has some kind of nuclear fusion, like code on it that the president is bringing to this summit with China and Russia to create world peace. Finally, oh, right, he's right. going to share this, information with them about how to create energy from nuclear fusion yeah and change uh, the world and change the world which uh so it's huh. it's almost more important that the tape get to that summit than yeah. the president right so huh well i hope the tape ma- uh makes it out a better i hope I, so oh my god this is a very big deal <laughs> so um, the that's a lot of tension it's a lot of tension the clock's ticking there's a lot yeah. of yeah the Boy, right. this, this movie's a lot more exciting than it, I. I it than gets it was right to business here. Yeah, it's true. So it's... the plane's hijacked like immediately, mm-hmm. uh, and quickly we meet Snake and uh, Hawk, Snake. who's the uh, played by Lee Van Cleef, who's the warden, makes a pretty unfair deal with him mm-hmm. slash forces Snake to go in in there and get the president out and and get that tape, mm-hmm. and that's our that's our setup. Snake don't want to die. No. So he's going to do his job. No. But he don't, uh, he don't care about your president or your government. <laughs> so they filmed the movie in... Uh, they were looking for a lot of places to shoot it. They shot it in East St. Louis, which... Oh. I don't know if anyone listening is from the St. Louis area, but what I hear is East St. Louis is the place not to go. Today? Every... As far as I know, oh, okay. it's still kind of you just stay out of there. Oh, okay. Well, I I had also I had heard that they part of the city was just uh, still reeling from a giant fire. Uh, giant, yeah. Uh, so this place is the, the whole downtown is messed yeah. up. Yeah. So like part of that, or? these they didn't have the money. They didn't have the budget. They had a seven million dollar budget. Yeah. So you're not, so, you can't actually shoot this in New York. Right? Yeah. You can't shut down New York and get this kind of <laughs> do this kind of set dressing and production design of. Yeah. Uh, you know, buildings knocked over and everything trashed, and uh, they wouldn't have the time to do that or the money. So they found a place that had this, sadly, had this kind of look already. Yeah. And then they can just add to it. They didn't even have enough budget for a real, like, major lighting package. So they would do a lot of camera tricks, like simple wet downs mm-hmm. to get more light bouncing. They would light those you know, canister, trash can fires, mm. so you could get that sense of space. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's a, they even mention where the the fire is, right? Uh, yeah. Tells you where the president is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't, I, you know, I've watched a lot of, I've watched, I don't know, a bunch of Carpenter films, but then the way you're talking about how this is a, a race against time and space kind of thing, uh, yeah, that really encapsulates that whole thing. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's. No one shoots a movie like John Carpenter. Uh, John like, Carpenter is going to be a regular uh, 
regular topic here on Reconcinimation. Yeah, Reconcinimation, your we're, place we're <laughs> to reconsider cinema-ation. <laughs> we're still working it out. Yeah. Uh, anyway. But we're going to hit most of uh, Carpenter's stuff through probably the late 80s. I'm in. Yeah. S- sign me up. Yeah. I'm going to download more episodes right now. I, I'm not a big Starman fan. So if you oh. want to do that one, you're going to have to sell it to me. But oh, okay. Yeah. I'll really I'll do my best. I, I know that's high on your list. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's so we've got a backstory with, uh, with Snake. Snake is a really interesting character, too, of where his, where his loyalties are, which don't really seem like they're with anybody Mm-mm. but himself. But it's really interesting, like, how if you go back and watch the Man With No Name trilogy, the Clint Eastwood movies, like you can really see that they're very, very similar characters. Mm. And I think Snake was a... Uh, talking about the impact of this movie, it wasn't necessarily so huge. It did well when it came out. But I think, again, it's another one that had a cult following. And later on, once it started airing on TV, it got more of a cult status and... And the Snake Plissken character, especially like kids, really I think, got into that character, yeah. the anti-hero, and and uh, uh, the the Metal Gear franchise mm-hmm. from well, what it was a Nintendo game at first, Nintendo game, and then you know on PlayStation, and right. then PlayStation took it over, uh, and it's Solid Snake. That's yeah. Snake Plissken is the uh, yeah, basically the motivation for that character. Uh, down to like the inflection, like the the gruff voice. The, the yeah. eventually that character gets an eye patch. Yeah, uh, I mean he has the look, and then he even in I forget which game it is, but one of them he uses the name Pliskin. Pliskin, yeah, like I, a code name. I think it's in the se- Metal Gear Solid one or two. Yeah, I've, uh, I rem- but that for me, not knowing, uh, I think it's one, but not knowing um, the movie, I had uh, the first time I actually really remember the name Pliskin was in Metal Gear Solid. So when S- Snake was undercover and he calls himself, you can call me Pliskin. And then I later looked up, I'm like, what? what is Pliskin? Like, what does that mean? And it's like, oh, nice reference. Uh, but that's kind of cool. Yeah. So so it's got a cultural impact there. and Yeah. Uh, pretty pop culture friendly. Sure. Uh, there's also, so in the very beginning, we start in Manhattan Island, or uh, on... Liberty Island. Liberty Island. This was the first movie that was allowed to film on Liberty Island. Uh, after there was some kind of terrorist threat or a bomb scare that that they stopped filming there, and and this was the first one that they allowed back there. Oh, uh, opening the doors for X Men. Exactly. <laughs> it's the only Again, other movie for, I remember. It's linked. Oh, it's, Ghostbusters too, also. Uh, and oh, well, don't forget that one. Yeah, uh, and then uh, the best else? part of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Superman. Tech? No, not really. I think they did a helicopter shot around. Well, another movie we'll get to that I know everybody loves, which is Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. Ooh. Uh, Look it up if you you don't know it. Is there a great Statue of Liberty sequence? uh, Well, you should look up the poster, first of all. Oh, okay. uh, Because it's Fred Ward, like, jumping off the Statue of Liberty, like, towards the camp. It's it's an amazing, it's an amazing poster and movie. Okay, I'm in. That that very few people have seen. I'm gonna fire it up. It was right called Remo Williams: The Adventure Begins. Ah, 
and end it. And I was gonna say, did it continue? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about that another time. So Liberty Island, there they are. And there's a voice going. So when when Snake is getting walked through, he gets off a helicopter. He's getting walked through the uh, the hallways before Hawk kind of meets up with him and gives him this quote unquote mission. There's a voice coming over the PA system. Oh yeah, a little trivia. That's Jamie Lee Curtis. Ah, I was as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, that's somebody. I should look that up, and I never did. Yeah, but like, I'm like, so she kind of she did a lot more John Carpenter movie like projects where she was involved with them more than most people think. Yeah, Mm. well, certainly. Uh, Yeah. So Uh, and well, what a wonderful voice to welcome you to a prison island where. Uh, you can tell your your arrest, you know, tell the warden that if you want to be you want to be terminated instead of going to prison, just let them know. Yeah, just let them know. Just let them know, and they'll take care of they'll that. Take for care you. of it. They'll just it's fine. So I mean, that's kind of humane, actually. To be like, you know, if you don't like, you don't want to. You know that this prison is going to be hell on earth. So if you want to end your life, we'll help you with that. Yeah. So because uh, you certainly see uh, helicopters just you know flying around and guys on rafts trying to just float toward the wall and they just straight up murder those dudes yeah well they said they they are very clear about what they'll do like turn around every way out of new york is either mined or you know mined with explosives or they're patrolling to shoot you down yeah uh you know all the bridges and tunnels are mined as we'll get to that later but Mm -hmm. uh it's uh not a place anybody wanted to end up yeah so don't commit crimes and in the book and i'm, I'm going to keep talking about the Let's novelization because the they, they really like welcome to book chat <laughs> sorry book chat 2000 <laughs> but what else do they say uh the so the army has become like the world it's called the world police force oh yeah and what those guys are supposed to be are veterans from this chemical war that's happened and those guys are just as crazy as the inmates inside new york who these police force guys are just as brutal killers as anybody in there oh my god so uh yeah it's it's just gets into the fact that it's a more a lot more of a fucked up situation yeah Oh, what a terrible world. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's a cynical, terrible. really terrible look at like where our future is going, or specifically New York's future. Right. And at the time, New York was really in bad shape. Sure. They had... Uh, Finally, crime. Had, and there was a lot, of, and a lot of crime. There was... Um, I think they were over budget, and there was, like a, there was a government shutdown where... Like they weren't picking up trash for for weeks, and mm-hmm. it was just, it was a nasty place. And every and people in New York were afraid of what it was going to turn into. And there were people leaving New York, and wow, uh, it was uh, things were changing. Luckily, everything's fine now. It's yeah, perfect. There's no problem. Good old Giuliani flip, turned things oh, around. Oh, thank for God. Us. So you know, do a stop and frisk program. Koch first, Koch. and oh, yeah. Ed Koch. Oh man. No, uh, he had no mercy. Who was it? It was Koch, and then Mayor Dinkins, and mm-hmm. then Giuliani. Yeah, they really changed. They really turned things around. And then I moved. So no, and you lived in the city. Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Westchester County, baby. Here we go. Uh, okay, so 
Yeah, anyway, back Jamie Lee Curtis. Get back to Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Let's just always circle back to her. <laughs> we uh, lose our place. Fantastic little cameo there. Yes, love her. Uh, Lee Van Cleef, another actor. Oh, wait, before I get to Lee Van Cleef, do you know who they almost had cast as Snake Plissken? Um, 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 I Googled it. I was Googling. Oh, who were the... You there was two actors that were like, ah, shit. Well, the, like Kevin Spacey or something, but not Kevin Spacey. <laughs> no, um, Kevin Spacey was like, he's like fifteen, probably no, no. Probably older. Uh, no, I, uh, I don't know, but I'm sure it's great. Okay, Ooh. Tommy Lee Jones was one. Ah, oh, nineteen eighty-one Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones was one. Nick Nolte, they approached. Yeah. Jeff Bridges, they approached. Jeff Bridges. Nice. I can see some of these guys doing it too. Uh-huh. I don't know if it would have worked as well, but it it definitely. Could have worked. Um, huh. They even went after Eastwood, but that was that uh, was not going to happen. No. Uh, Chuck Norris, they went after Chuck Norris, um, or was a possibility at least. They were discussing it, uh, but the one who wanted to do it was Charles Bronson. Oh, really? He wanted the role, which would have I think that would have totally worked. Yeah, I would think. But Carpenter was hesitant to work with him. He felt like he was too old. Mm-hmm. At the time, which was probably true. And I think he was worried that Carpenter was an up-and-coming director and Bronson's an established star. And I think he didn't want to, you know, have to fight over creative issues and and to get on the same page. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he would rather go with Kurt, who was his guy and ready to go and do whatever he needed to do. Yeah, wow. So, So he was always Carpenter's first choice, Kurt. Yeah, Kurt Kurt was always, yeah was pushing these other guys yeah yeah uh ultimately interesting i think they made the right call yeah uh yeah we wouldn't be talking about it today maybe we would (laughs) so lee van cleef plays hawk who's the warden and the i think the head of the the world police force as well yeah yeah, Um, i guess so he's in charge of all that he's in charge of all that he has a fancy office uh he and you can notice it a little bit. He's coming off of some kind of serious either knee surgery or something. But he he had said the hardest scenes he had to do were the scenes where he's walking with Kurt Russell, and oh. he had to focus on keeping his knees from buck or his his left knee from buckling. Oh, wow. So you can, I think he did a great job. But like he's distracted that he's trying to like walk straight and get the lines. Huh. I actually I remember noting like, but he's, he's they're doing a lot of this just static shots of him sitting. Yeah. Like, but that never I didn't know that. Yeah. Until yeah. You're saying that that's interesting. He had I think it was a, like a horse horse riding injury or something that happened. And, oh, I, um, I I get that. But he's another link to the man with the known with uh, no name trilogy. Oh, right. Because he's in the second and third of those movies, and those movies aren't even really like they're not really a trilogy. There are three separate three, movies that three have adventures. the same actors, and hmm. they're called different names. Like, even Eastwood's character is called a different name in each movie. Mm-hmm. So it's all it's debatable if they're actually linked. Hmm. And, like, Lee Van Cleef in the second one is, like, partners with Eastwood, and they're, like, he, both heroes. Hmm. Uh, and in the third one, he's the villain. Oh, all right. Oh, so okay. it's it's... But yeah. That's anyway, funny. this this is another link to those. 
It's like uh, it's like you know uh, high school plays, and it's usually it's the same actors every season yeah. for like three years. This is the exact same. And it's thing. just like they're, but they're all playing different parts, <laughs> so you wouldn't say all those plays are from the same universe. Yeah, uh, you know, you wouldn't do a a Brecht play, and then you know you're not going to do Streetcar and say that these are connected, even though uh, Tommy Johnson is the lead in both. <laughs> Tommy again Tom, every time. No, like you keep Always giving the lead, the lead to Tommy every time. The dashing smile. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, a couple other guys we see on Manhattan Island are Tom Atkins and Charles Cyphers, great character actors who are John Carpenter staples for his early movies. Mm, who they play? Uh, Tom Atkins plays Remy, who I believe is the first character we actually see in the movie. He's the one who uh, is notified about Air Force One crashing, and then he's the one who goes to tell Hawk and. Charles Cyphers is the chief of, oh no, Secretary of State, I believe, ah. uh, and is there. He doesn't really do much in the movie. Mm-hmm. In the book, he explains the whole reason. He's the one who explains the whole nuclear fusion thing and why it's important, extra important to get the president, not yeah. just it's good to get the president out of there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's global implications. Here. Yeah, worldwide. Worldwide. For sure. Um, Worldwide, but Charles Cyphers is in Halloween, very big part of Halloween, mm-hmm. so and a very small part of Halloween too. Oh, so there you go. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing to note that is is kind of ironic in a sad way is when the terrorists take the take the you know hijack the plane and how they crash it into a building. The image of a plane crashing into a building in New York City has taken a totally different, totally different context since to that, you know, September 11th. Yeah. It was, uh, it was weird to think uh, that there was going to crash and you, they only vision, they, the only visual is just some vector art of, you know, a plane. Yeah. Just crashing and then just sort of exploding into three different parts. Yeah, and, then and like, you see the the the, the <laughs> capsule that the president's in just yeah, kind of like just droop, drop it, through the building. And, yeah, but it's funny like when you see the plane in the in the streets, uh, it's just it looks like a crash land sort of like it looks like, like a crash kind of right there. Like, like yeah, like as if it t- took a bad landing. Yeah, it's just kind of like yeah. But uh, yeah, like it was just it was kind of like a, a odd thing. And of course, there's so much World Trade Center stuff the main act a lot of action well happens. that's where and that's where when snake flies in yeah he lands on top of the world trade center and has to go down all the way through the building yeah it's kind of it's kind of it's 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 a dark it, it to it's me weird to to watch that it took like a darker turn and it has nothing to do with the movie mm-hmm. obviously they did it 20 years before yeah but uh to the day that's how some of these, these. That's why we're looking at some of these films. That's how they their their perspective on them changes. Yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah, it's it's hilarious actually. It's kind of like watching a Bill Cosby movie now. Like after <laughs> watching, I Roseanne. can't watch Ghost Dad the same way. <laughs> or Leonard Part Six. <laughs> right. It just does. You can't forget do that. forgetting forget all the other parts of you know Leonard Parts One through Five, mm-hmm. but six, six. I just I can't I can't do it. It's too much. Um. Uh, there's another the woman who hijacks the plane. I know I'm talking a lot about the cast. Yeah, a lot there's of kind cast of a members. lot of a lot of cast members in this. A lot uh, of carpenter people. Oh, is she a, a standby as well. She a is. Guy? She's in Halloween one and two and H two O. Oh, she's the nurse in Halloween who's like kind of Donald Pleasance's assistant or partner who's 
trying to help him, and then she shows up towards the end of Halloween too. Oh, cool! Uh, and then that's kind of a real, basically a cameo in H two O. But Nancy Stevens is her is her name. And you were talking about the the vector scope of, of when the plane crashes into the the building. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me? Can you name who one of the special effects artists? Uh, well, now, that, now that you're saying it that way, <laughs> in, in the credits, there's a fellow named Jim Cameron. Jimmy Cameron. So that must be. Is that the guy? That's the guy. James J. Sweet Jimmy Cameron. Jimmy Cameron. That's uh, pretty cool. He was... So when Snake is flying into New York, there's a shot or a few shots of him like going in. It, it's like looking through that vec, Vectra scope type image of mm-hmm. these these out this computer image of you know these these black buildings with green outlines mm. that's supposed to be like his computer monitor uh and what they they actually built all of that they the built lines? they built that whole like m- a miniature model set of of the downtown new york uh-huh. and like painted it like completely black and then they took like basically green, some kind of green, neon green tape, and outlined every building. What? And actually did it as a miniature instead of. Oh, that well, they, I mean, this was so far. You yeah. know, I mean, they had, there was computer technology, oh, but it's the, so expensive. It didn't even occur to me that that's because it did. Well, I did. I remember thinking like that looks pretty good. Like that looks pretty good. It looks great. Like considering like Tron. Yeah. You know, uh, just. I was like, that looks pretty they good. They didn't, you know, I, I think if they had the budget, they probably would have done it differently. But yeah. I think it looks great. And, and it's a great visual. You can't really tell now that you know. Yeah. Once you know, you can see it. Yeah. But it's still like, you can convince yourself easily the other way. Too. Well, there was something about how, because you saw a front view and then you saw a starboard view and all that. And I remember looking at that and you got a, it, it was a really good perspective, like shot that way. And just the visual of how it, I guess I would have. I guess I'd say it like kind of looks real, you know. But I did. It really did look like a graphic. Yeah. Uh, oh, fascinating! That that I didn't even know. There, there you I go. I keep learning things you from learn, you. Yeah. That's why I'm here. I'm here to teach. I'm here to discuss. Ah, oh, my gosh! You're not going to quiz me on this later. And that was the end of uh, little Jimmy Cameron's career. He was like, was uh, I'm going to retire. I can't do anything. That with was this. his contribution, and and. Thanks, Jim. And that was the end. But thank you, Jim. Appreciate your service. Yeah, I don't think we'll talk about him again. Nah, yeah. no need. No, he's he did nothing of note in the eighties or nineties. Yeah, nothing significant. Uh, Maybe a, a Paul Piranha too. He did. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, so he did do what he did do one other. Project. He accomplished what he set out to do. Yeah, with Piranha too. Yeah, yeah. So it's everyone has goals. Congrats to him. Uh. Let's talk about. I keep going back to the cast, but let's keep okay. Let's keep talking about them. I'd like to hear more uh, as we meet them in order. Okay, I believe this is in order. Uh, we meet Ernest Borgnine, mm-hmm. who was who plays Cabby that we talked about briefly earlier. Yeah. In the book, they I don't remember if they said exactly why he's there, but he was a cab driver. Who drove? Because he mentions that he'd been driving this cab for forty 30 years. Or thirty, yeah. Uh, he hid apparently hid that cab when everything went to hell in New York. Made it out of New York, did some kind of crime to get sent back in, and when he got back in, he found the car again. Oh no way! Doing his 
taxi uh he's, he's just taking prisoners just, around yeah uh, up and down yeah uh, okay but he's the one like uh character that's like sympathetic like you can't he's like a happy old grandpa you know yeah. and he seems like he'd be the guy that no matter who you are no they're not going to touch him yeah right like he you know they're all they're all crazy people yeah you know, there's the crazies underground who will cannibalize and kill. Yes. But there's just the regular roving gangs. But it seems like Cabby, he's the like the likable guy that yeah. everyone, you know, no one's going to bother him. And he didn't even want to, I mean, he wanted to play the Hawk character. Oh, Borgnine did? Which was much more of what was Borgnine's thing. Sure. Uh, and he just couldn't, you know, Carpenter took him out for lunch and they talked about it and he just could not, like understand why he would want Car- why Carpenter would want him to play Cabby uh-huh. after they made he didn't get it until the movie was made and they screened it back and, and he's in the audience and when Cabby dies later oh spoiler alert Oof. Um, like the whole audience goes oh and then he was like I get it oh okay. no way that, that worked okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was very upset when Cabby died yeah yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Donald Pleasance, who I mentioned earlier, another yeah. Carpenter staple. Carpenter kind of, I mean, would I would probably argue that Pleasance is more famous for his Carpenter stuff than what he did before. Yeah, like he's not, he wasn't much of a mainstream. I mean, he guy, did right? a lot of movies. He did a lot of, you know, war movies. And, mm-hmm. and he was a POW at one point and he had when he's captured and the Duke is like torturing him, he was drawing on those memories to get that fear across. He was looking scared as shit. Yeah. It was, Oh my God. How does he not have, he looks great in a blonde wig. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. I like that. We just come upon him in that way. Like, it's not like they did a whole scene of humiliation of him. Just like, no, we this just, you put it together, guys. Very humiliating him in a blonde. Like you wig. just pan over and he's suddenly got a blonde wig on. And <laughs> yeah, he's all beat up, missing a finger, and and he didn't have to work too hard to get a really authentic American accent going. So <laughs> yeah, this was funny because they've tried to explain this several times. Why and Pleasance's they... argument was always that Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher had some kind of love child. And that child is his character. That that was his explanation. That's, that's his. <laughs> I don't know if the timeline works out for that, but uh, uh, well, it's ninety-seven. Yeah, I mean, he's older than he yeah, is, what fifty-something probably in the movie. I guess. And, I wonder how old Ron Junior is. But I mean, they were around for a long time, so maybe they got together in the. That's a great. I, I like that he just tries to 40s. explain it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So. Well, yeah, he's probably, he's probably yeah late. Yeah, he's probably like 50 years old in the movie, right? I mean, Reagan was around in the 40s. Sure. Margaret Thatcher was alive in the 40s. Would they have known each other and run across each other? Why not? I mean, he was just an actor in Hollywood, wasn't he? Yeah, why why not? Or an actor? I don't know. Everybody loves actors. Who doesn't love actors? Listen, in this kind of crazy world that they live in, I think anything's possible. Yeah. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, we we didn't even get to him. We didn't even get to him yet. Come on. The brain. Should you want to hold off on him? No, we've been. Okay. It's like we're holding. Like, how have we not talked about him yet? So, he's great. For those of you that haven't seen it, Snake is gets to New York. 
once he lands the plane, which is now stuck on top of the World Trade Center, he's wandering around trying to find this tracking device that has that the president's supposed to be wearing. Yeah. Ultimately, finds that it's been taken off of the president, and a uh, a uh, homeless person that's played by Buckflower Roberts, another carpenter person who shows up in several more of his '80s movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a little small bit part there, but. He hooks up with the cabbie, and uh, cabbie takes him to Brain, who knows supposedly knows where the president is. Yes, he was the guy. He's the connected guy. Yes, yeah. Brain is the guy who knows everybody because he's connected to the guy who has the president. Yeah, uh, Duke. Duke, played Duke by of New York. A, I don't know what would you call him. A number one. A number one. Played by Don Cornelius. Is that right? Do I have that right? Yeah. I Close. I'm pretty Isaac sure it's... Close. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah all right. Chef. Uh, that's why he looks... He sounded so familiar. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't being... Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but can I so, just say about how Brain knows do, knows where the president... Brain go for it. knows Sca- Snake Plissken. Up until we meet Brain, Snake runs into four people who've heard of him. And I think three of them at least thought he was dead. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why does everyone know? Who well, he Snake's is? got like Snake's got his own kind of legacy by this point. Everybody's heard. He's like he's all heard of Snake. Yeah. He's like a real life sort of action star. I think. I guess and, so. And especially in the like more of the criminal world, there's been he's connected to a lot of these people, or he's yeah. been around them. So. Well, certainly with Brain, you know, being a big criminal too. Like, sure, but it's just so funny. Well, he's that, got a direct backstory with Brain. Yeah, they they yeah. they were homies. Yeah. Brain betrayed him. Brain betrayed him on okay. one of their last jobs. Him and, and him and Fresno Bob. Fresno Bob. Can you and believe they, what happened? I I couldn't to believe Fresno it. Bob. Yeah, I just love. I but I love it, and I guess it, I'm assuming it's very much. It's it's almost on. It's just almost being tongue in cheek at, at a certain point of like. I heard of you. I thought, it you yeah. I thought you were dead. I'm like, come on. Like, but it, I, I kind of just loved every yeah, time it happened. And it's, they do another, in Escape from L.A., they, they do, uh, <laughs> they kind of try to play another gag like that that, that uh, just doesn't work. Uh, of course. Like, I, uh, they say, like, I thought you'd be taller. Really? Yeah. They all say that? Yeah. Well, how, old, how tall is Kurt Russell? What would you say? Oh, seven, seven. Yeah. yeah. At, He's a giant. At, at least. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a big cast a big shadow. He's seven seven, like three hundred and eighty pounds. I yeah, think. solid Just steel. Solid like, steel. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, but I'm sorry, Henry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton uh, is the brain. And you know, one more thing about everybody who says, "I thought you were dead." Yeah. Everyone who says that line does not survive the movie. They die. Yeah. Did Sad. the did the blonde woman say it? She heard of him, but I don't know if she. Th- she may, she may. I feel like there was like the first few. They must have all said it. Yeah, I think they all said. They it. just all know Snake Plissken. Yeah, that's unbelievable. And he don't care. Yeah, he doesn't care how Adrian Barbeau didn't say it, but she doesn't make it either. She said, I think she says, "You're Snake Plissken," yeah. something like that. I there was some, there was something different about yeah. her acknowledgement. Yeah, that I don't know. Maybe. Brain probably talked about him. So Brain knows where the president is. Gotta knows the down. Duke has him. He knows Duke's plan, which mm-hmm. is which is what Brain's a part of it. Uh, 
the Duke is going to take the president and use him as basically a shield and a negotiating tool to get everyone out of New York. Mm-hmm. Hmm. They'll turn the president over if they're all released. Their plan is to get across, I think it's the 69th Street Bridge. Yeah. Uh, to get across this bridge, which is filled with mines. Yeah. Brain, somehow. He's got the plan. He's got the he plan. Know, he knows so, the, and the diagram. He knows. You never really know how he got this diagram. He has it. But he's supposedly got the diagram of where all the mines are. So yeah. he's kind of a really important piece to that. So it's another another quest to, uh, to make sure we get the plans uh, so they can get out safely. Yeah. So Snake, when he meets up with them, is going to force them to, you know, get him to the president. And Brain kind of has to go along with them. So yeah, we have a little bit of action. We get we get to see more of the crazies at night as they have to kind of drive through them to get to where the president is. Yeah, uh, and those crazies very intimidating. Who's the guy? Who's the who's Duke's number one character? Uh, Romero. Oh yeah, we didn't even, Romero. Yeah, the Bart Simpson Frank, looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> I did not put Bart Simpson and him together. He looks exactly like you were totally what right. Bart Simpson would grow like up a into scary, a frightening Bart Simpson. <laughs> yeah. uh, his name is Frank Doubleday, uh-huh. and he's equally as frightening to me, at least in Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Oh, like uh, you haven't seen that? No. Uh, okay, we're, we're gonna get to that. I gotta, I I gotta see. I'm gonna watch it right after. It's a really, it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Very creepy character, and really creepy character in this. Oh yeah. I don't know what he's done since then. I don't think he's still. I don't think he's had to work because he's uh, he's got those two movies. He's just got it. he's got all those residues. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, just I, I he stands out because he's like he's just wearing this like sort of beige yellow outfit and just giant hair and. And really, just weird body. Like he's got a really weird body language. Yeah. Um, and weird voice and infl- like the yeah. voice and fight, and he's just like making sort of high pitch noises and shit. Like, like this guy will fuck you up. The first time you see him, I always found him to be like really scary. Uh-huh. And then when Brain comes to confront him, then he's like a lot more effeminate. Yeah, he's like you. You can't be here, brain. Yeah, or something like like his he's just, just sort of chill. Like, yeah, but still kind of threatening. But I think it's to show that like you know we we present ourselves one way to the world, and then another way to our friends and family. Yeah, uh, and I think that Carpenter really is really trying to say that with the Romero character. <laughs> I think you nailed it. I, I I'm I'm starting I to understand you know this filmmaker, John Carpenter. I'm get I'm getting. I it. think you got inside his head. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, you were uh, the cra- oh, I was saying about you were saying about the crazies, and I interrupted because that. Guy I don't have anything crazy. more more to say about the crazies. Can I say though? One, I think early on, I made note there was a, when I guess the crazies were starting to come out. The way it's shot, like it's their first coming out. It's like uh, it was like a Michael Jackson video. Like, it's like oh yeah, it's totally thriller. And I was like, holy yeah. shit! Like this is thriller and bad and beat yeah. it. Like people just appearing out of places, yeah. coming like yeah. filling the and streets, like, like bursting. Like, oh through, my god! Bursting through walls and you know yeah. pulling people through the floors and. Sorry, this just reminded me one more thing about the novelization. Okay, let's get back so to the book chat. There's a lot more about Snake's backstory and Hawk's backstory. In the book, Hawk's son, when Hawk is talking to Snake about the mission he's sending him on, he says, hey, when you're in there, 
uh, keep your eye out for somebody, which is Hawk's son has been sent to oh, New York. Oh, no. Uh, and the scene where the crazies are attacking Snake and that, and that woman, uh, there's a hand that, like, shoots up through the, through the floor and, and he shoots it. Yeah. Uh, that, in the book, he goes over and sees the body and, and it's the guy has Hawk on his chest. Oh my god. It's like tattooed on his chest. Oh my god. So that's he you know, he didn't know it, but that was that was Hawk's that's son. That's Hawk's son in in the context of yeah. the movie. Wow. And and at the end of the movie or at the end of the book, when he meets up with Hawk again, he tells him, he said, I, I saw him and, and he's happier in there than he would be out here. No. Oh, so nice. he kinda does the like I don't know, the ethical thing, the moral thing to sure. To put Hawk's mind at ease and does him sort of the favor. Wouldn't expect that. Even though it's a lie. I mean, lying is bad. Yeah. We know this. Uh, back to the back to the movie chat. So did Snake has almost no like personal connection, like emotional connection to any of these characters except Maggie. Yeah. He seems to grow fond of her. Yeah, and I don't know if it's like really a sexual tension. I mean, yeah, I guess it's probably a sexual tension, but there's some kind. Of, there's a respect there, I think. Yeah, well, but she she's can, she's she the tough handle, guy. She I can mean, handle herself. Like, like brains a wimp, and she's his bodyguard. Really, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's assigned to him by the duke. Yeah, I think I think it's that mutual respect of two you know two badasses kind of thing. Yeah. you know, and of course it's uh, uh, you know they're they're. Why wouldn't they be kind of into each other? Yeah. On a certain level. Yeah. You know, they're not going to try to make something happen, but the tension's there. Yeah. Yeah. If things were different between, in our situations, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> so, uh, Kurt, they end up, you know, when they try to get the president, Kurt gets, or, sorry, Kurt, Snake gets uh, caught. Snake. And is thrown into a big rustling ring out of nowhere like a gladiator pit yeah against a, a a character named slag but was played by a former wrestler named ox baker oh okay and apparently during these scenes so while this is going on is when brain and maggie are trying to rescue the or steal the president for themselves when snake and slag are fighting i mean Ox Baker really like kicked the crap out of Kurt Russell. Oh, there was like he didn't really pull punches too much. He was really like he was really hitting Kurt. Oh my god! Uh, and the 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 story is that Kurt had to give him a little tap on the to the undercarriage, let's say, oh. and uh, let him know that he needed to stop Just doing didn't that. Cut that out, <laughs> yeah, chief. <laughs> <laughs> Which he did, and that shot of. When he hits him in the back of the head with the baseball bat with nails, uh-huh. they basically—I mean—they basically really did that. He had a piece of wood attached to the back of his head, what? and Kurt had to hit this small piece of wood. It's insane. I don't know how. Is that how, even a fake prop? It, no. Like, what? I mean, you look—it's him. You see the shot. It's—it's it's really happening. But I know, but it's not like a rubber prop. Like it, or anything, it's insane, and it sticks right in. But they've talked That's, about it. So. Holy cow. Yeah. I'm learning so much. That's so amazing. Much stuff. Well, I like how their fight between them starts off with just two regular bats, and they just sort of 
they kind of fence each other like it's, they get like yeah. it's the like uh, the original Star Wars like just the this basic fencing <laughs> technique of just like okay this is this the hidden metal bat or wooden bats together yeah it's, it's just funny. Uh, so eventually, once they find out Brain has turned on the Duke, everybody runs out and goes after Brain, allowing Snake to escape. Yeah. Eventually, they all kind of meet up back at the World Trade Center while they're going to try and escape on his glider. And the one weak shot in the movie is the shot where, the gl- in my opinion, where the glider gets cut off and the rope gets cut and the glider falls off the building oh yeah it's this kind of there's a weird kind of sound effect like a silly kind of sound effect and it's the one that looks kind of fakeish yeah yeah pretty pretty bad like you know composite of uh, over the yeah yeah, of of that falling thing because it's it's thin it's small and it doesn't it just doesn't look good yeah Um, it doesn't really match the i don't know yeah it's a weak shot you're right so they lose the glider and they've got to they realize they've got to do the Duke's plan, which is to get out through the bridge, over the bridge. Yeah. So Brain, who hasn't, I think he hasn't even finished these plans, but yeah, uh, is trying to guide them over the bridge, and Snake's driving really fast. And in Cabby's cab. In Cabby's cab. Yeah. They, with the president. With the president. They've got everybody. They've got the tape. They've got the tape in the pocket. Uh, which which Cabby of all people had made a trade he traded his cabbie hat for the tape when yeah. when romero like didn't really know what that tape was right didn't care about it great great what a serendipitous uh, moment for yeah. cabbie to talk with romero yeah yeah <laughs> so snake gets the tape back from cabbie and they're going across but they're going too fast and brain's not i don't think he's a million percent sure mm-hmm. where those mines are and one explosion happens the the Cabs destroyed, cabbies killed. The cab is blown clean, clean in half. In half. Literally, you couldn't have done it with <laughs> with, with a, any better than like a just a, a rotating saw. Just like yeah. it was, it was unbelievable. Just cut right, just in right half. in half. They're totally in the back seat. They're fine. The yeah. front seat, they're fine. They're Except just, cabbie, he's dead. Oh right. Well, cabbie. Uh, he Otherwise, took, they're fine. But everyone's fine. Yeah. I mean, cat. Yeah, cabbie. That was the first to fall. Yeah. Cabby. And then, like immediately after, Brain steps on a mine, and yeah, he's done. He's done. Yeah. Uh, and Maggie, wrong- like her heart, you know, apparently she had some kind of love for Brain because she's has become super loyal to him and more loyal to him than to the Duke. And she, that's where she and Snake have a moment where it's their chance to run and get away, and she decides to stay and buy him some time and and you know shoot the duke who's coming after them yeah he's like right on their tail she's firing down the lane while he's barreling down yeah so she's got to she's got to delay him because the president took the fuck off oh yeah he's gone he yeah. that that cab crashed and he just went so yeah it's like they gotta he's gonna run into a mine they gotta do something <laughs> they're gonna like they're well, gonna they're, yeah they must be past where the mines are like, by this point <laughs> this is insane uh because they're pretty much at the wall yeah uh that was, but, uh, but uh, so Maggie stands her ground, yeah, and then is apparently mowed over m- by the bloody, dude. <laughs> like, it's and it's mess. weird. So there's a ho- there's an old Hollywood story that at a screening of this, some kind of screening, there's a little kid who brings up that there's it's not clear what happens to Maggie because uh-huh. in that shot she's 
mowed down, but it's kind of really to the far left of the frame, and you don't really see it. Yeah. And then you don't. In this version, they don't. You don't see her again. Oh, they. So it's this. like unknown what happened to her. So he brought this up, and it turns out that little kid was J.J. Abrams, whose dad was uh, worked on worked on the, the, the production. Oh no shit. So J.J. Abrams had a hand in adding, convincing Carpenter to add the shot of Maggie, like you know, just, dead, just like underneath cut, the car. She's pre- yeah, she's like cut in half. She's like cut bloody, in half. Bloody mess. shot in John Carpenter's garage. <laughs> Holy cow! And he was married to Adrian Barbeau at the time. So, oh, really? So their garage. Oh, their garage. They, they had together. That's a quick. That's a quick day. Yeah. That's there's not much to that. Question. Oh no, no. There's just a couple people. One shot. One, one couple shot. Of lights, oh. camera, oh. car, cheap, and then you you, you clean up. You clean up after you go get some lunch. Yeah. Uh, sounds like an easy day. Wow. So okay. the uh, there's the final shootout where. Uh, there's a fight between Snake and the Duke, and and the president's been rescued already, and and it feels like they're gonna leave Snake behind when the president takes his moment of revenge and guns down the Duke. Just straight up blows this guy and the, away. And that, the really awkward kind of dialogue from from Donald Pleasance. Yeah, it, it, he uh, well he repeats back all the thing. You're yeah. a number one, just shooting him down. Yeah, it's like so. Then the white president shooting this black criminal in his prison. <laughs> yeah, you that, know, that like, looks really good today. <laughs> it looks like oh boy, just straight up murdering this guy. Uh, and then they do, but they do pull Snake over and. Yeah, you could. I think the cynical uh, thing would be like, oh, they're just gonna leave him, and he's gonna get even more pissed off at yeah. the government and whatever. But no, they rescue him. Like he. He say the president with, like, with seconds to spare. Seconds because he had to get he had He's, to get. Yeah, we didn't talk about the explosives. So Hawk had a backup plan in case Snake wanted to escape. Yeah, from prison. escape from New York. Yeah, uh, they implanted these explosive devices in his neck. Yeah, or did they? I think there's an argument that whether they actually really did that or just told him they did that. Oh, so the doctor comes neutralizes those, and as the timer goes to zero and. I I would say that that doctor probably did not take any acting classes. I think that was legit concern for Snake. Yeah, uh, that was that I was a show I, doctor. That wasn't a real, that wasn't an actor. That was that, that guy was. That was a, they brought him in to examine. Yeah. Snake and tell. You yeah. Know, One of those Hollywood doctors. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, like five hundred dollars an hour. Yeah, yeah. Plus travel. Plus travel. Three hour minimum. <laughs> To get some cough drops yeah. for this actor <laughs> who's got a tickle. <laughs> Hollywood, baby. Uh, well, I'm glad Snake made it out. Snake yeah. and the president. The president can now go before the world? Yeah. So he's going to do it via satellite and give this message out and, and play the tape for the summit that he is not going to be at in person, but at least he can play the message with the with the code or whatever this you know nuclear fusion information is uh and right before he does it snake asks him you know can i have a moment of your time mr president how do you feel about all these people that just you know lost their lives to to save you and get you out of here and he gives a really and the whole the whole rest of the short rest of the movie hinges on what the president's reaction is going to be and he gives a kind of half-assed, like, "Oh, we're we're proud of all, you know, we're we're proud of their uh, patriotism and sacrifice, and yeah, and they're good Americans." 
and then he's like worrying about his light or something. Yeah, or you know how he looks, and then he's going on the air in like a minute. Yeah, so. yeah. And he keeps looking at like checking himself out in the mirror, and yeah. uh, where one guy awkwardly shaves his the side of his face poorly. Yeah, <laughs> just Very just plying. He kind of shaves and it doesn't really come off. Yeah. And, well, I think but, it's like a bruise there too, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's 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 and he's wearing like he's wearing the shirt he was wearing, which was just torn, and the, and then Snake walks away. Yeah, and then we just cut back over. He's like, "I'm on in two minutes," and he's, got, he's wearing a suit. Like he's yeah. he's he's camera ready. Like this guy uh, missing a finger, but camera ready. True, yeah. that's right. We he lost his finger, and and, uh, and this is where when Hawk kind of confronts Snake and. And he's like, are, are you going to kill me now? And Snake is like, I'm too tired. <laughs> <laughs> Which means he probably would. He probably would. Because he's, yeah. but he's, he's too tired. He's too tired. Uh, and that's where, that, in the book, that's where he tells Hawk about his son. His son. Uh, and I think Hawk wanted, offers him a job. Yeah. Come work for me. But C- Snake is... Uh, Snake said, Snake's an island. <laughs> an island unto himself. Yes. And he walks away, but then... Does he have something in his pocket? So you see him pull out. He's got. Oh wait! Well, why wait before we see him? The president's on the, on the air. Plays the tape, and it's like, what is it like? A it's a, the song Benny Hill from, song. Yeah, from, Benny Hill. <laughs> from uh, Cabby's Cab, the song oh, that he was listening to. That's right. Oh uh, no, not the right tape. Not the right tape. And I bet China and Russia are very upset. And you see continues. Snake, the last shot is of Snake walking off and taking the tape out and tearing all the uh, the tape out. He don't care about Sending your the world into another probable world war. That, single-handedly. Why would you do that, Snake? Because he doesn't, he he doesn't, uh, he doesn't care. Don't care about your yeah. government. He's all, you, Snake Plissken is Kurt Russell's favorite character. Oh, really? Yeah. Then why do you only play him twice? And, 15 years. Got to make it, keep it special. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see and, that. And he says the Snake lives for the next 60 seconds. He does not care what happens beyond that. Uh, he doesn't He doesn't have anything left to live for, so. Gotcha. And the world, he knows how screwed up the world is. Yeah. So. It's kind of a refreshing He, he kind of feels it. like it should hit, the reset button needs to be hit for yeah. humanity. Let everyone destroy themselves, and uh, we'll, we'll fix, whoever survives will fix it. Yeah, right. Oh, boy. Snake, snake, snake. Just and then in God. the second, the second movie. Uh, so they make Escape from L.A. Fifteen years later, and it's basically the same movie. <laughs> they change out a couple of things uh-huh. with, and it just as well as this movie works. That one doesn't. Oh, it it just doesn't. Well, you, so it's it's hard to redo the formula. Yeah, uh, and especially like years later, where you can have a better, you can use better visuals, and yeah, all of that. And I think some of the casting time. choices like didn't work in that, and and yeah. it was just Scott Bayo as the villain, right? <laughs> Scott, <laughs> <laughs> might as well have been, <laughs> okay, just as bad. All right. uh, yeah, and that movie didn't didn't do well. I think there had Escape from L.A. done better, yeah. we would have seen some of the other. You know, Cities. Snake Plissken projects that they were working on. There was going to, like, Ghost of John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars was supposed to be another Snake Plissken movie, but because Escape from LA did so bad, the studio was like, nope, 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 let's, uh, let's make that make something, else. something new. Oh, I see. And that became the Ice Cube character. Uh-huh. So if you can't get Snake, 
you go for ice cube you go cube you go cube cube vision uh do you in the escape from la does does snake uh, also look like he's ready to go to the gym uh snake's outfit in this he's got the like tight camo oh he's he's in great camo. shape well not not just that but then like he's definitely the his the, sh- the black shirt he's wearing is definitely like it's got that wick sweat wicking technology yeah. to it. you know like it's just got that spandexy look yeah or whatever yeah. and i just like he looks like he's ready to go to the gym yeah like, he just, probably was he probably was like escape from la he's got the iron. like long leather black trench coat and, oh. and he does have a like a tank top type thing okay. like like uh in this one but well, he had like because he was wearing like a brown like bomber jacket or something. Yeah, you know, which kind of didn't fit the outfit. He's wearing this like again these like great gray tight camel pants that like look they 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 look. Like, Are you saying you have thing. a problem with this outfit? It just it's kind of cool, but I guess it because it's my know. Tuesday outfit. So <laughs> I have seen you in it. Yeah, I have seen. I I'm wearing it. I'm gonna be wearing it tomorrow. <laughs> and tomorrow is Tuesday. I knew you didn't like it. Um, I'm just saying. Well, I'm gonna wear it anyway. Well, go to the gym if you're gonna wear it. All right, that's it's a gym Fair outfit. Enough. Fair it, enough. It's a gym outfit. Yeah. And also, I have snakes tattoo. Oh yeah, I, I, I yeah. He's got a cobra. Like you got? Did you? I've get got one? a cobra. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got one. I put it. I put it uh, behind my ear though. Yeah. And it's like I'm showing this. Baby. I've got it right like over my elbow. It's fine. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the movie comes out July 10th. 1981 mm-hmm. uh, against you know the other movie that opened that weekend uh, I don't know it off the top of my head The Fox and the Hound oh no Disney's The Fox and the yeah. Hound uh oh very similar movie so Kurt Russell's going up against Disney yeah guys who made I know. his career he really turned on him He's there like, didn't I'm he? gonna take you out I'm Snake Plissken. Uh 25 the budget was 6 million dollars 25 million dollar gross for the film yeah. So not not too bad. bad. That's you made, pretty good. Sure Nineteen eighty one dollars, that's pretty good. You make some good money back. Uh it was a four point one opening weekend, four point one million. Mm-hmm. Uh they shot the movie from August to November nineteen eighty. Uh and yeah, and then uh, the kind of a a le- the legend of Snake Pliskin was born. Wow. Everyone was talking about him. For years, till they came back and, <laughs> and then they stopped. And, and then they stopped talking. And then no one wanted anymore to do it. I mean, I remember when Escape to LA was coming out, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like I the whole I surfing I, thing. I oh, was, is there terrible. a surfing? Thing? There's a surfing. No, yeah, oh, where no. he's like surfing, and and Peter Fonda shows up surfing next to him, and kind of like rescues him. What the okay. weird? Bruce Campbell's in it, who we love. Sure. But, uh, a weird part, a bunch Steve Buscemi, just weird things. Pam Greer with like a, a guy's voice, like yeah. really bizarre okay, stuff. Okay, we're doing that as soon as this is over. Yeah, that we'll we'll be tearing that one apart soon. Well, with Escape from New York making that twenty five million, do you know where it ranked for the year? For the year of eighty one. Eighty one. Obviously not very high. I I would say number eighteen. Ooh, no, lower. 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 Ah. 18. 12. 18 was Excalibur. No, no, no. Lower. Oh, lower. okay. Low, the other lower. Yeah. Ra- <laughs> uh, lower in ranking. 27. A little lower. 31. Just a bit lower. 33. Just a bit higher. 32. 32. 
getting just a bit more than body heat. Body heat, wow. And two below Halloween 2, which made... Uh, so Carpenter's got <laughs> a couple things uh, yeah. in that zone there. All right, cool. Uh, it was 1981. What was the top uh, movie that Raiders. year? Raiders. Really? That's right. <laughs> what was the second? 81. For your eyes only? Uh, no, that was number eight. But, Ooh, so oh, boy. So you got top Bond, ten there. Way yeah. down there. Yeah, it did not do great. Hmm. Uh, or what other top movies is that? Give year? me, give me, feed me a little. You actually mentioned Fox and the Hound. No, you actually mentioned this person's name, the person who's in it in the second number two. Movie. Ernest Borgnine. No, you more you've read it. You said it just recently. Frank Doubleday. <laughs> more recently, Peter Fonda. Peter Fonda on Golden Pond. Number two movie ah, in 1981. Yes. I knew it. Come Isn't on, that something? I knew that. Yeah, we took a I just t- took a laborious uh, <laughs> trek. I wanted to, to loop get... in some other films. <laughs> sure. To... Uh, do you know the, any other top tens? No. Okay. Reds. Couple ca- couple comedies in there. No, not Reds. Comedies. Oh, Reds was thirteen. Mm, yeah, wouldn't be Caddyshack was eighty. Mm. Yep. A couple other comedies. Mm. Three at least. Three, three go, comedies. Go go for it. Uh. The prequel to Arthur on the Rocks. Oh, Arthur one. Arthur, yeah. <laughs> it was actually number four. Uh, Leonard, Leonard Part Six, <laughs> Part Five. Sorry. Um, oh, and I'm sorry. Between on Golden Pond and Arthur was Superman two. Ah, yes. Yeah. So and then which uh, was like Superman one again. Again, <laughs> yeah. And after Arthur, uh, stripes. stripes. Stripes was that high? Yeah, eighty-five okay. million. Yeah. And then uh, of course we had. Uh, Burt Reynolds, right after Stripes, which Bert, they're they all blend together. For I know. Me. There's, it's, I'm it's, not a huge Burt Reynolds guy. <laughs> Cannonball Run. Oh, for some reason I thought Cannonball was like 79 or something. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Uh, no, the Cannonball Run. Uh, then finally, uh, Chariots of Fire. Mm-hmm. Best picture. For your eyes only, swat slides in there. Mm-hmm. Then the Alan Alda comedy, The Four Seasons. Oh Comedy? yeah, that one. Yeah, the one everyone's talking about. Yeah, and then finally, Four seasons. Yeah. Finally, Time Bandits. Number ah, ten. Time Bandits. Terry yeah. Gilliam, top yeah. ten movie of eighty one. Yeah, there you Good go. For him, sorry, I lo- I just love box office. <laughs> I just love talking box office. <laughs> well, we love Kurt Russell, and we wanted to uh, we wanted to start this podcast off with uh, talking about somebody we loved. Yeah, and we love still. He's still coming out with great stuff. So let's. Uh, Did you see Guardians too? I don't watch movies oh. Uh, at oh, all. Oh yeah, that's yeah. After I heard they're starting talking about making some. They should make some. If they do a movie about the Guardians of the Galaxy, they should put they should put Kurt in it. He would be great. He'd be maybe it's like someone's dad. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, great. I think that's appropriate. I've been reading. The- he's timeless, but but you know, yes, I think fair. Yeah, I think yeah. I think we can agree. Yeah. So let's wander over to Kurt's Corner. Kurt's Corner. Kurt's Corner. Yeah, that's to see. You've adapted my theme song for it. Kurt's Corner. All right. So there's four basic uh, things about uh, that happen in Kurt's Corner. First, we ask the question, is Kurt Russell in this movie? I'm going to go ahead and say yes, he's yeah. in this movie. I agree. I think I think he's in this movie. I think he's going to stay in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really no question. Yeah, I don't see that changing. Uh, this one's a little odd because since we'll always be talking about Kurt Russell, a lot of times this question's more appropriate for movies he's not in. But does 1981 Kurt Russell have a place in this movie? 
Is this, uh, yeah. is this the perfect time for Kurt to be Snake Plissken? Could he have? Could he really have been any better at the time? I think this is the perfect time for him to do it. Yeah, I I'm, think, I'm on board with I that. I think him and Kurt yeah. just hit the right, right moment in time. Flash, a flash. Yeah, if you will. I think it was good to have him as the younger side of Kurt versus, yeah, like Escape from L.A. I don't know. I just I I lean towards the younger Snake versus yeah. the older. Yeah, he's a guy. Well, he's young, but he's got experience and depth. And then, but he's not old and and tired. Yeah. Uh, number three, who's got the best hair in this movie? Adrian Barbeau. That fro? It, it Come is, on. That fro does really tower over everything. There's. Uh, it's either her or Isaac Hayes. No. <laughs> it's all right, Isaac. But I mean, honestly, how great is Kurt's hair in this Kurt's, movie? Kurt's. It the first time without, you see him, he's got that just, just perfect say, hair. It goes without saying that Kurt's hair is perfect. Kurt's hair is at its most perfect Years in Tango and Cash Years and later. Overboard. Right. Okay. But we're but, seeing the bat, we're seeing a the start the start of something great. Yeah. With this hair. Yeah. It's beautiful. But Adrian Barbo, I'm gonna go with besides Kurt, Adrian Barbo's fro is, yeah. is something special. Yeah. If Kurt Russell wasn't in the movie, Adrian Barbo went hands down. Yeah. But he's, she's got some stiff competition with, uh, with Kurt. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then finally, let's do this. Now, Kurt, okay. This is kind of tough, too, because this, this would count on us talking about movies uh, that Kurt Russell's not in. So what we're going to do is we're going to... I'm going to ask you, can you connect Kurt Russell to some of the actors who were some of his box office rivals this year? I'm talking about Kurt Russell to Roger Moore. I was—I knew you were going to say that. I... <laughs> Can you get there? Kurt Russell to Roger Moore. I have only two examples in my pocket, but let's see if we can get there. How much time do I have? Uh, infinite. We're going to run the clock okay. now. Uh, Kurt Russell to... Oh, I, I can do... Okay. Kurt Russell... I bet I. This is just off the top of my head. Kurt Russell to Sam Jackson in Hateful Eight. Uh huh. Sam Jackson to Christopher Walken in True Romance. Oh. Christopher Walken to Roger Moore of You to a Kill. Oh my gosh. Nice one. Very good. That's. There may be a shorter version of that. There's a couple. There's a couple short ones. There's. I. He, they're not connected directly. There's no one to one. Two examples I had. Kurt Russell, uh, let's see. Well, we'll go back. Roger Moore was in Curse of the Pink Panther with mm-hmm. a young Joe Morton. Mm-hmm. Joe Morton was in Executive Decision with Kurt Russell. Kurt, yeah. How about that? Oh, that, I love Executive Decision. I, I, love, I uh, saw that in the theater. I, I saw it on an airplane. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, we may have said this in a yeah. different in a different venue, <laughs> by the way. Uh, also, apparently, Roger Moore was in The Saint with Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer and Kurt Russell, Tombstone Six. You, Tomb, I mean Tombstone. So, what, what if they made one, Six? Is that like Leonard Part Six? <laughs> oh, that's what I was yeah. thinking of. So, so how about that? Um, they were in Tombstones one through five, and then six. Yeah. So and then <laughs> so just kind of wrapping things up here. Kurt's Corner. That was the outro. What was the impact of the movie? I think you already, I think you already talked about. It. I think we answered a lot of these questions, but uh, it's a cult. It was a cult classic. It, it had a bigger impact 
uh, I think through into the 90s, it really st- the late 80s, early 90s, it started to really gain momentum and and it made Snake Plissken an iconic character. Yeah, uh, revived through Metal Gear and the the video games, and now there's Snake Plissken comic books and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, He's and an there's always talk of another remake of of the either a remake of Escape from New York. Talking about uh, don't remake Gerard it. Butler doing it, or oh, a boo. woman, you know, playing being Snake. Oh yeah, gender swap it. Like uh, Emily Blunt playing Yo-hoo. a female Snake. Which I, I could Emma Stone do it? <laughs> Maybe they're both in it. Uh, um, I still, I still love the movie. Yeah, it's great. I had a really good time watching it the other yeah. day, uh, seeing the complete picture of it. Yeah. Like this was this was fun. Like it, it, I don't know. I, I think it, it it holds up. It has to hold up because you're still getting that entertainment value. I think yeah. it's not a it's not that it's not a movie that doesn't take itself seriously. It actually takes itself seriously, mm-hmm. but it's in that Carpenter world that way yeah. that I don't know. Like, this is just a story I'm telling. Like I'm not trying. Yeah, to, all I'm not trying of, to impress you with right. something. Like I'm just it's I'm not, telling a, a interesting story. It's not trying too hard. Yeah, it doesn't try too hard. It doesn't go over that line of like you know. It doesn't do anything. It's an hour and a half. It's it's. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything that pushes the story too far, takes it over that limit, does something ridiculous. It's all everything that happens is believable within the world of the movie. Yeah, it's so, well done. It's I a mean, complete. What more can you ask for? Yeah, it's a it's a well realized world. Yeah, that uh, just just wonderful. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't checked it out and we haven't ruined the movie for you, oh, yeah. uh, you should absolutely watch it and give it a rewatch. Give it your reconcinimation. Reconcinimized it with us. Thank you for doing <laughs> That's that. That's a word. Us. Yeah, <laughs> we're 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 creating new things we're, here at Reconcinema Studios. Yeah. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, we as a little thank you for our, our debut here. We've got a, a bonus show coming up. Yeah, that. we're gonna do another one for you guys. Yeah. Uh, should we tell them? I think I we... think you know what. Let's let them. They're gonna find out on their own right now. So let's let them. Let's let them enjoy. All right. Well. Uh, but follow us on iTunes. Follow us on our Facebook page. Follow us on Insta Tweet and tweets. all all of the all of the tweets. Yeah. Follow us to let us know how you feel. Give us your opinion. Give, I mean, you if, know, we're just a thumbs up. If there's uh, if there's go. any movies you guys want us to cover, please let us know. Yeah, and yeah. we'll think about it. Um, well, yeah, we'll think about it. We'll, we'll, am I, you know, we're I'm gonna see you here very shortly. We're, you and we're, me, we're, see, we're doing this again, right? We're gonna be back next week, and then we hope to see you all there. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm Dave Munchak, and I'm John Diner. We'll uh, we'll see you next time.